June 2023, that's the date that will mark a change in how we as ranchers will be able to have access to many animal health products we are able to purchase off the shelf, meaning no prescription. Taking the rest of those antibiotics and moving those to Scripps. So we've it's been a progression over time. Dr. Eric Moore with Norbrook Incorporated will be one of my guests as our topic today is on guidance number 263 that will move several products from over-the-counter access to now needing a veterinary prescription to purchase. And we'll get a perspective from a practicing veterinarian as well. Ultimately, you're still going to have access to all the medications that you had before um, and that hopefully um, just maintaining a stronger relationship and communication line with your veterinarian that's Dr. Lacey Farmeyer from Absorkey, Montana. Between both our guests, we're going to talk about what you need to know to prepare for this change, the products it will affect, and I'll ask some very straightforward questions that I feel most of us ranchers have about this subject on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you joining us here on our program. Now, I don't know if your last couple of months have been like mine. I'm sure it probably has because for a lot of us here in the ranching industry, this is a busy time of the year. It starts back to we precondition calves back in September. We wean calves in October, working cows at different times throughout that. And then we just shipped calves this past week. We also had an opportunity to spend a day getting some uh, bred heifers re tag it has been very very busy and all of that on top of another big project and i don't know if you're a regular listener but you know i've been working on getting a pipeline put in well that's pretty much in now it's the process of getting some tanks put in uh we use those big rubber tire tanks that we use here we're close to the the big coal mines in northeastern wyoming and we can get those tire tanks pretty readily pretty easily we use those they work great uh but we got to put a cement bottom in those and if you're if you know anything about about pouring concrete when it's cold that's not the most optimal time unless you have the right tools and the right uh, other things that can get things kind of warmed up well we do have those uh, but we still got to get those done and like somebody said the other day now why didn't you do that back in the summer and I scratched my head and said you know that's a pretty good question but <laughs> but nevertheless we got to get her done we are going to get it done well on our show here today it's a big topic and it's going to be one of those that you might want to go back and listen to again and we're uh, this show is also carried on pretty much any podcast site out there. Our own site is workingranchradio.com, but it's on guidance number 263. Now, this is coming down from the Food and Drug Administration, where they are taking, uh, moving a lot of the products, several products that we use as ranchers to treat uh, livestock, and they're moving them from being an over-the-counter product to now being a prescription product, which means we'd need a veterinary prescription to purchase those products. We're going to be talking with a couple different guests about its implications to us as ranchers. One of those will be Dr. Eric Moore, who's a director of technical services for North America with Norbrook Incorporated, and also Dr. Lacey Farmeyer, as she is a practicing veterinarian with uh, Stillwater Veterinary Clinic. She's one of the partners there as well, and also uh, it works as a veterinary technical consultant for Valley Vet Supply. Those two will be offering their insight separately about this particular uh, topic, and I think you'll find a lot of our dialogue back and forth will be extremely 
useful, extremely relevant as you learn about this and then also begin to prepare for this guidance number 263. So that is our feature topic here today. Of course, at the very end of our show, uh, as well as we always do, meteorologist Don Day will be joining us as we take a look at our long-term weather. Just a quick reminder, I've mentioned that in other shows in other shows as well. Hydrobed has made their 20th thousand Hydrobed. That is up for auction, a commemorative auction uh, on Big Iron that will go off on the 21st of December and all of the proceeds of that going to raise money and awareness for kids with type 1 diabetes. So check that out on Big Iron. That goes off on the 21st of December. Hydrobed with their 20th thousand Hydrobed. Right now we would like to thank our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Zenpro Avela 4. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zenpro Avela 4. And the American Semental Association Heterosis Works, which is why with Semental it's more per head, period. Find out more at Semental.org. And gain smart mineral by Biozyme. Increase pasture utilization with the Amifirm Advantage found in all gain smart minerals. Find out more at gainsmart.com. And finally, Performance Ranch. Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch. Find out more at performancelivestockanalytics.com. Analytics.com. Well, normally, if you're a regular listener, you know we do check in with the captain, Tim O'Burn, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine, for his Tim's Two Cents. But I'll tell you what, this week, we give him the week off because he is working like a dog to get the next issue of Working Ranch Magazine ready to go. And so he's not going to be stopping in this week. But that does remind me, if you do not have your subscription to Working Ranch Magazine, check it out at workingranchmag.com and you can get your subscription started here today. Well, stay with us. Coming up after the break, we're going to get into our featured topic here for today. Don't go far. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy-to-use app that simplifies record-keeping and makes decision-making easier. Keep track of herd inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important herd data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to performancelivestockanalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we head now into our featured interview for today's show. And if you joined us in the first segment, you know we're going to be talking about this guidance number 263 that goes into effect in June of 2023. It's being implemented by the Food and Drug Administration. And to break it down very simply, it takes several products that we as ranchers have currently been able to buy at our local farm and ranch feed stores or from our veterinarian without needing a prescription. That's the basis. You haven't had to need a prescription to get those. Well, guidance number 263 is going to change some of that. And some of the more common products I think a lot of us use would be those oxytetracyclines like the LA-200 or the 300 or the biomycin and things like that that are now going to require a prescription about that. Today, as we explore this and as it goes into effect, we're going to have two separate guests. Our first one up will be Dr. Eric Moore. Our second one will be Dr. Lacey 
Farmeyer, who is a practicing veterinarian in Montana. But first up is Dr. Eric Moore. He's the Director of Technical Services for North America, Norbrook Incorporated. And first of all, before we get started here, Dr. Moore, I appreciate you joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. It's a pleasure to be here, Justin. Glad we could help. Well, Dr. Moore, no doubt this is going to be something that has a widespread effect across a lot of us here in the ranching industry. But before we jump into really the the meat of the details of what this is, the impact of this, let's back up and get a foundation from where this started to where we're at here today with these guidances, because this isn't necessarily the first one. There have been others ahead of this that have led up to where we're at here today. You bet, Justin. So this is nothing new uh, that we wouldn't expect to happen over the past year, past years. FDA has been working to evaluate antimicrobial resistance. In fact, in, in 2003, they published guidance for industry. We'll use GFI as that term, GFI 152, classifying antibiotics as medically important or not medically important based on their use in, human, in humans versus their use in animals. So we have G, GFI 152 classified antibiotics um, to start out with. Then in 2012, they had GFI 209, which was the the judicious use of medically important antimicrobial drugs in food producing animals. And that really was set to do two things, um, bring all the medical important drugs, ones that have an impact, could have an impact on resistance in humans um, under the control of veterinarians and promote judicious use and remove growth promotion. So the first result of that came in 2016, 2017 with, with GFI 213. That was the veterinary feed directive. You know, remember we had the VFD that came around and everybody thought the world was gonna end and we moved all those to all those that were labeled. They had to have a vet veterinary prescription for mm-hmm. veterinary feed directive. And that took the water soluble and the feed grade antibiotics under control of a veterinarian, really to assure judicious use of that product. So that was, that was, that was then. And the last step in that process is GFI 263. Mm-hmm. The pro, you know, that's the one we're moving all the rest of the antibiotics where they weren't covered by um, GFI 213, taking the rest of those antibiotics and moving those to scripts. So we've. It's been a progression over time. And as this has been happening in the US, it's been even more crazy on the global stage. There, we have a lot of different regulations over in Europe, um, China, looking at, at, at classifying antibiotics and restricting use. So this whole process has been a way that we can assure the public that we're using our products correctly keep the tools available in our toolbox and then kind of meld that that whole perception from FDA to producer that a way to document what we do. Now, I will tell you, I do not know a producer out there that intentionally does anything wrong, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. we're all stewards of our animals. Your ranch, you, you only use, use things when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing we have is this is a way going through this process that we can assure FDA that all those things are being done correctly. Mm-hmm. So on this, it sounds looks like June 11th of 2023, which is coming right up, is when yep. this is going to be happening, correct? Yes. Yeah, so on June 11th, 2023, they published the GFI 263 on June 11th, 2021. That started a two-year clock. So all the drug manufacturers that were affected by that 
GFI 263, had two years to get everything in order, that on June 11, 2023, drug manufacturers cannot ship any pharmaceutical with an over-the-counter label out of their warehouse after that date. So where we make our Normycin 300, we make a Normac uh, 300 Pro-LA, you know, those types mm -hmm. of products. After June 11th, only products with a prescription label stating buy under the supervision of a veterinarian will be allowed to be shipped out of our warehouse. Mm -hmm. Any product left in our warehouse that has an OTC label, we'll just destroy it. I mean, we can't we can't ship it. But the caveat to that is, Justin, product that has already left our warehouse mm -hmm. is available in the marketplace until its expiration date. I see. So FDA has said, okay, we're not going to pull product back off shelves. You know, if it's out there, if it's on the shelf now, you can still buy it. You can buy it after June 11th. You just can't replace it on the shelf after June 11th, right? Because you know, it yeah. won't be more product coming in. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So probably what we're needing to really know now is, you know, specifically what are some of these products that we are going to be seeing that's going to be going away from being an over-the-counter product to now being a prescription product. And I know I mentioned it earlier, the, you know, like the oxy tetracyclines, like the LA200, the 300, even things like our scours tablets and so forth. But a lot of these things now moving away from over-the-counter to now being a prescription. Yeah, penicillin is another one out there that will be going off, going to a script. So anything, if you walk into your local supply, animal health supplier, uh, anything that you can go buy that's an antibiotic that you can just, you don't have to have a veterinary prescription. So it really comes down to go to your animal health supplier. Yeah, so I'll back up just a second. So we look at over-the-counter and, and a prescription RX products. So we use OTC and RX mm -hmm. to really define those. Um, OTC products are just free to purchase, free to pick up. RX are under the, under the supervision of a licensed veterinarian, um, so you have to have a script to buy those. And so the if you look on a label, you can see there'll be an RX on the label, and you, see, you can distinguish them when you're looking at them on the on the store. Basically, OTCs will be gone after June 11th for us until it's out of the marketplace and past our point in the supply chain. Um, when you look at an RX product, you know, there's, there's some requirements to have it, to have a script. And if you have a script, you have to have a veterinary client patient relationship, you know, and that's, that's the, the key thing you have is a key to the linchpin to everything is having that veterinary client patient relationship. And that's defined by the practice act in each, the veterinary practice act in each state. So it's really talking to your veterinarian working with a veterinarian, and finding a veterinarian to work with your operation to see what they require for a VCPR. I mean, it's there's some basic principles to it. They have to know your operation. They have to have knowledge of your practices, have, have worked with you on a protocol, um, and be available for follow-up is the next thing. So there's, and that's just a quick overview of some of those key points for a VCPR veterinary client patient relationship. So finding that veterinarian that knows your operation, knows your cattle, understands diagnoses that you have on your place, um, and then works with you on developing treatments for those those diagnoses. So you have a written protocol or documented protocol of what you do to treat what. Mm -hmm. That's 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 typically what happens. That can be plus or minus on that, Justin, but that VCPR is a key on that script. And then once you develop that relationship and get that prescription, 
uh, you know, that script written for your operation is really talking to wherever your animal health supplier is. And so the next step is your animal health supplier. Right now, if you're buying it locally and there's not good veterinary service in your area and that you have, you know, your ranch and you get out in some areas, it's long ways to get somewhere. And so um, go talk to where you get your animal health supplies now and visit with them about how they can address this going forward. And so some of those places are already selling script drugs. And it's just a matter of those will roll right over to us. You just have to have a script. They already have a pharmacy license. And they can sell nice. those products to you. Where some operations or some, some suppliers may have to go and look into getting a pharmacy license to handle script products. And so you need to see where your animal health supplier is at at that time. And how that fits with working with your veterinarian. Those those pharmacy licenses aren't easy to get and they take time. So coming up in June is quick. So now's the time to have a conversation with your animal supplier to see what they're gonna do. And you know, see what they're gonna do moving forward. So that's that's a key part. You know, find a veterinarian, find an animal health supplier, talk to your animal supplier, and then those are the two key changes right now that we have. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things you had talked about is you were you had kind of talking about to separate this into three different buckets and and you've talked about a couple of those that one one element though is really then starting to manage what our need is as a producer for those products. Absolutely, and so once you find that veterinarian to work with your work with your operation if you don't have one already, or even strengthen that relationship with your veterinarian because then they the biggest key to all this is. No producer wants to treat sick animals, and so um, having that having that that scientific knowledge, that outside perspective, the operation with a veterinarian coming in gives you that tool to look at what how we can prevent disease and set up that whole herd program. You know, whether from where it goes from parasite control to biosecurity, um, you can walk down every, check every box. You do the same thing with your banker every year, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you check every box and all your incomes and all your expenses. You really should be doing the same thing with your veterinarian when you do that, and you find those those holes in your operation that may not be obvious to you because you're on it every every day. Then you can actually reduce the need for the antibiotic, and that's that's really what the ultimate goal is to bring that that need down so our use is declined because we prevent disease in the first place. And so it could be looking at different vaccination protocol. Um, there's a lot of stuff going into genetics, you know, on health that are happening. Um, there's there's different factors on micronutri- micronutrients, you know, in your herd that you can look at. All those things can, can set and take a, take a full view of it and it can actually affect your health and your use of antibiotics on your operation. I think the biggest thing we'll run into is, and one that we need to do a better job of on the ranch, and I, I'm not criticizing ranchers, but I think back to my grandfather. Um, you know, we had a lot of records written on the inside of the cab of the old international truck, <laughs> you know, and I think that's been years ago. So I think record keeping is something that that is one that you could throw out there that really is another linchpin in, 
in tracking the use and, and documenting use and, and, and we'll look at those operations, Justin. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've identified uh, some record keeping for a lot of us or on, the, or it's even on the wrist of our leather glove. You know, we've written something down on yeah. our, on our leather glove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Eric Moore, he's the director of technical services for North America. Norbrook incorporated is our guest here today. We're talking about the uh, food and drug administration's guidance for the industry 263. It's going to take a lot of the over-the-counter products off the off the process, and they're going to need a prescription uh, from your veterinarian on that. When we come back, we're going to continue with Dr. Moore. I've got a few more questions about that in terms of uh, they are one of the suppliers of a lot of the post-patent products that are out there that are probably an awful lot of us use, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And we're back here again on the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we continue with my guest today, Dr. Eric Moore. He's Director of Technical Services for North America with Norbrook Incorporated. And Dr. Moore, earlier in the first segment, you were talking, kind of give us the rundown on this Guidance 263 that's going to have it go into effect in uh, June of 2023 that's going to take a lot of products, uh, several products, I shouldn't say a lot, but several products that a lot of ranchers use uh, when, when they need to treat cattle cattle on an, on an as-needed basis, and those are going to be now require a prescription from our local veterinarian. And I, I really want to hit folks, go back, if you, he, one of the things we talked about was a veterinary client-patient relationship, and it's VCPR. That is a acronym that you need to be very familiar with because it's going to be something that's part of this whole process. But Dr. Moore, really quick, one of the things is, as I was thinking about this whole deal, and I know a lot of the product that I buy that uh, is is going to be now being a, a prescription product later in June of uh, 23 is products that are post-patent. And uh, Norbrook Incorporated, such as who you are with, you have an awful lot of those products. And I know there's a lot of us ranchers that are very cost-minded that uh, we look at these post-patent products as being the ones that we turn to. And for you all, there is an awful lot of your business that probably and no doubt comes through non-veterinary means, not to say that you don't still have some uh, sales through veterinary practices. However, there's no question that this uh, Guidance 263 has affected you all quite a bit. It it certainly certainly is, Dustin. I think, I mean, if you look at Norbrook, um, just a quick flashback to Norbrook is we're a family-owned pharmaceutical company that's been in business for 54 years. We've made a lot of our uh, advancements by providing a high quality generic product to the marketplace. And, and there's been some misnomers around generics in the past of what they are. And, and I think that goes back to the old days um, of count compounding. You know, we, we used to, I, I grew up in a veterinary practice tools, the tools today that we have today weren't available. So we used to 
mix up some stuff. And so we want to make sure we know that's not what a generic drug is. A generic drug is an FDA approved and manufactured uh, product that has been through the rigors of testing and approval by the FDA, just alongside with those pioneer products that get approved in the same pathway. And so um, in the past, there's been some confusion around what generics are. And so uh, we need to make, I think it's lessening. I think more people understand, you know, they go, you go to Walmart, you buy a Walmart brand at aspirin. It's the same, you know, you go to um, your feed store and you buy uh, oxytetracycline 200. It's the same, right? So, I mean, it's people understand that now and they can get it at a better value uh, than they can otherwise. So, um, we've been working hard to bring those products. Um, we manufacture all our own products in Northern Ireland. So, we, we cover that manufacturing our own. We understand the quality of the products. We put them out there. Those products actually, um, one other aspect of that I'll throw out there. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have generic products come to the marketplace, what would trigger people to drive innovation? So I actually I actually make the claim that generic products drive innovation because they go to the next level. What's what comes next in that in that chain, Justin? Mm-hmm. Justin. So yeah, it's it's a unique market. We we're very strong in those. We have a lot of products that will be affected by the OTC to our exchange. And we want to put the word out to make sure that they know that the producer is prepared to make a change to go find how to get those tools they need in their toolbox when it come June 11, 2023. My biggest fear is that someone producer will walk into a farm store to go treat a pink eye on a calf next summer and won't have a product to do it and hasn't prepared to get that product to relieve the pain and the suffering of that animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's part of why we're, we're, we're trying to get the message out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's partly why, you know, the importance of our program here today is to get that information out. As you were talking about in the first segment and and some of the, s- the stores that may be having to look now and, and trying to get a pharmacy license, I think that's where I'll, probably where we'll see uh, a, some, some big changes in that. I know uh, I know for you all having to really push uh, uh, that relationship from a supplier standpoint with local veterinarians to uh, to provide your product or your post uh, patent product, not just yours, but there's other post patent products, but that yeah. they're doing that. Um, but we're also going to see maybe the uh, some of these feed stores then have to look at trying to get a pharmacy license to where they can still offer that and, and be that uh, be that source for their their customers. Absolutely. So, and that's going to be a state by that's actually a state license. So they have to go to their state and 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 figure out with the pharmacy board how to get that and how to obtain that license. So it, it may be different for different regions of the U.S. on that, Justin. But that's something that again, assures that a quality product gets to the producer regardless of what channel it gets to. And so it's just one of those necessary evils they're gonna have to start now because there is an application process. And remember, when you go into those stores, there's additional cost in both financial, but in record keeping and and how they have to handle stuff to have that pharmacy license. So I ask our producers are out there to go ask if they're gonna do it. If they are, have some patience because 
that there is new territory for everybody, right? Yeah. You know, so. yeah, for sure. It, it really is. And so, um, you, you know, I think as we kind of wrap up here, our conversation, I think one of the things, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound derogatory towards the pioneer products that were out there and established these, you know, by all means, it's each of us as a producer can make that call. And I think the really the thing, and you had talked about it, is that veterinary client patient relationship and having that dialogue back and forth with your veterinarian about a your your herd health but then the products that are available to you and visit with that veterinarian to see what those products are and what your options are that's going to be real critical in all of this absolutely i think the big thing is don't be have a relationship with your veterinarian that you can ask questions and challenge them you know because there's so much information out there today your radio shows is one you know is a perfect example we have information coming from everywhere at us and so one thing I, I liked when I was in practice was if I had a client challenge me, it's because it made me better too. So don't be afraid to say, hey, why aren't we using these products? What is the difference? And then then go seek that information out, Justin. Mm-hmm. You bet. Dr. Eric Moore, he's the Director of Technical Services for North America, Norbrook Incorporated, joining me here today. Dr. Moore, thank you. Uh, uh, you know, I appreciate your side of it because as you, as we were talking off air, you said, you know, I grew up in a vet clinic. I'm a veterinarian. I've taught. I've been with some different uh, companies. You come at it with a lot of information or a lot of uh, experience, and I appreciate you joining us here today. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. And again, that was Dr. Eric Moore. He's the Director of Technical Services for North America with Norbrook Incorporated. Uh, they are uh, a company that does sell an awful lot of the post-patent or generic type products that uh, we see out there. I appreciate him joining us again on our program. Now, we're not going to completely flip the coin because it's just a different perspective as we take a look uh, and continue at looking at this uh, Guidance 263 topic. And joining us now is Dr. Lacey Farmeyer. She's a practicing veterinarian out of still water veterinary clinic in absorkey montana and dr farmer i appreciate you joining us here today on the working ranch radio show yeah thanks for having me you know in your title as you as i was introducing you one of the things i also forgot to mention I want to point this out too that you're also a, a veterinary technical consultant for valley vet so if you get online and you're on you're ordering stuff from valley vet and you want to talk to a vet you, they might actually get a hold of you correct <laughs> yep that's true i just do that on a part-time basis but uh yeah i enjoy working with those clients as well so when they say you want to ask the vet they're really talking about a real veterinarian practicing veterinarian <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely there's actually three of us on that team and uh we're, we're happy to help you and, and we are real live licensed veterinarians yep. you bet well let's get into guidance number 263 and real and we and dr eric moore that was joining us here earlier did a good job of explaining kind of how that all came about and and when kind of what that means, we did talk a little bit and quite heavily on that veterinary client patient relationship. VCPR was the acronym that we talked about on that. And so from your perspective as a practicing veterinarian, real quick, you're just maybe 20,000 feet out view of this guidance, the 263 that's going to go into effect in June of 23. Yeah, I mean, I know it's, um, you know, it's been a little controversial. And um, I'm sure that producers are are maybe, you know, not that excited about the fact that some of that convenience factor of being able to purchase things over the counter uh, won't be there as much anymore. But I do want to relay to um, producers that, you know, ultimately, you're still going to have access to all the medications that you had before. Um, and that hopefully, um, just maintaining a stronger relationship and communication line with your veterinarian. Um, if 
you don't already have what you feel like is a strong client patient relationship with a, a veterinarian in your area, I really encourage you to do that. And, and, you know, I think the benefits of that go far beyond just being able to get one of these prescriptions when you need it, but more so in that they can help guide you and provide, you know, a whole herd health program that ultimately I'm hoping will uh, basically result in them having to treat less animals um, through prevention and just having a better working knowledge of your ranch and your operation and, and what those goals are and, you know, being an asset when you need it. Mm-hmm. Dr. Lacey Farmeyer is my guest today. She's a practicing veterinarian out of Absorky, Montana with Stillwater Veterinary Clinic, also a technical consultant for Valley Vet Supply. She is joining us here. We're getting the veterinarian's perspective on Guidance 263 that's going to take a lot of the OTC, the over-the-counter products, and move them in a position to where you're going to need to be have a prescription from your veterinarian on that. That's what we've been talking about here today. When we come back, we're going to continue. I'll have a, few, uh, a couple more questions that I want to visit with her about as we uh, continue to explore this subject it's it's important for us as ranchers to be aware of because it does go into effect in june of 2023 we're going to talk more about it when we come back on the working ranch radio show cattle producers here's a way to put more dollars in your pocket put the amifirm advantage found in all gain smart mineral to work in your cow herd Amifirm is the industry leader in increasing fiber digestion. In fact, research shows putting Amifirm to work increases forage utilization by 10%, reducing overall forage costs and allowing you to graze more animals per acre. That's a big-time return on your investment. To find which GainSmart mineral formula is right for your herd, visit GainSmart.com. Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy-to-use app that simplifies record-keeping and makes decision-making easier. Keep track of herd inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important herd data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to performancelivestockanalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills, and I'm joined now by Dr. Lacey Farmeyer. She is a practicing veterinarian out of Stillwater Veterinary Clinic in Absorky, Montana. She also is a technical consultant for Valley Vet Supply. Uh, Dr. Farmeyer, we were talking, uh, you know, we, we brought you in here for this part of the show to really get the perspective from a veterinarian on this. Really quick, before we go to some other things, I, I want to just hit this real quick, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but I, I think really... And, and I'm kind of really kind of come from a rancher's perspective on this is years ago, I think there was a relationship felt uh, that ranchers felt that when a, when a veterinarian prescribed something, there was a little, there was quite a bit of a kickback to them uh, from that, from that side of things. And I think there's, that's where maybe some apprehension would be for us as ranchers looking at this uh, 263 uh, guidance that's going to be coming in that, man, what kind of kickback is this going to be for the, for the veterinarians? But from your perspective as a practicing veterinarian, it's really not that way anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, historically, I do think that product sales were, you know, a decent portion of, of those veterinary businesses profitability. Um, but anymore, the margins are really pretty slim on product sales. And there's a lot of competition out there and a lot of different options for ranchers. 
And so I think that I can speak for a lot of us in the, the newer generation of practicing veterinarians in uh, the food animal arena that we don't rely on the product sales so much for being a successful business and, and our overall you know, profit and loss. Uh, we want to focus more on providing services that are of value to our producers. Um, and whether that's, you know, the preg checking, semen checking, um, you know, doing diagnostics that you might need within your herd. Um, those are the areas where um, we want to try to add value to your operation. Now, we still want to be able to offer you the products that you need. And so we do still carry quite a few of those, um, you know, on our shelves. And, you know, it is appreciated um, when they those um, local practice or local livestock producers do support that. Um, we definitely appreciate that. And we want to make sure we have access to what we need, you know, on the day that 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 uh, presents to us. But like you said, I don't think it's it's not a make or break anymore um, in our business models. And I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ultimately, I we want to make sure that we're using science, evidence based medicine to make our choices um, for the best treatment or parasiticide pro programs out there and, um, you know, not be biased by any of the, the profitability concerns. And so, so I agree with you. I think that things have changed a lot and I, and I think ultimately it's for the better. I guess another question I would have from a rancher's perspective might be a little bit of the elephant in the room a bit, but when we look at this, that now we're needing a prescription from a licensed veterinarian on some of these products, and then, you know, we go to some of these pharmacies or feed stores that can sell these or that are a licensed pharmacy to sell animal products, animal health products. To me, it feels awkward. I'm going to feel awkward calling you and saying, hey, um, I know you sell the same product, but can I get a prescription to go buy it at XX Farm and Ranch Store that's cheaper? That's awkward. Yeah, I, I guess it, it might be in some regards. But um, going back to our previous conversation about the business model shift and evolution in veterinary medicine, um, you know, I don't think that that has to be as awkward as it maybe once was when people relied on that for um, a bigger stream of their revenue. Um, you will, you know, with veterinarians being busy, very booked out these days, you know, putting those prescriptions in far enough in advance um, so that you're sure that, you know, it'll, that product, um, that authorization will be there when you're ready to pick up that product would be one thing that I guess I would caution people about, you know, there, there are some benefits to being able to walk into a clinic and, you know, talk to the vet if there's one in the office that day and, um, pick up that product right off the shelf. So, you know, there's some convenience issues, um, that might arise with this guidance, but I don't think any of them are unsurmountable. You bet. Well, and I just wanted to hit that because I, th to me, I felt like that was just a topic on the subsurface there that we're really probably a lot of us as ranchers, I know myself was was thinking about. Let's get back to this specifics of this guidance 263 and look really at it. And I know Dr. Moore kind of touched on it a little bit about ultimately why the Food and Drug Administration began implementing some of this stuff. And I know from your perspective as well, you see s something similar in this and that really it does come back to consumer confidence in our beef supply. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that, um, that this all came about, you know, we want to ensure that the animal drugs containing antimicrobials that are important for humans as well, um, that they aren't overused or incorrectly used um, because you know, public concern out there is that overuse or misuse of antibiotics in our sector of, Food production could lead to antimicrobial resistance 
um, which could affect human medicine um, and the ability for those medications to work for us when we need them. And so I, I think that's definitely one of the driving forces behind this. Um, and also to safeguard that food supply in making sure that we don't have meat and milk residue violations. Um, and so working with your veterinarian just to ensure that you know, if you are using those drugs off of label in an X, we call it an extra label manner, sometimes the withdrawal for meat on that label can be drastically different. And so you um, need to be able to work with your veterinarian to establish that, you know, if you're treating, let's say, you know, a calf for foot rot, um, you know, and you ended up needing to give it a different, that drug a different route than you normally would, or maybe a higher dose, um, that you are giving the proper meat withdrawal so that we don't have those residue violations and lose that consumer confidence that is so important to all of us and maintaining, you know, our success and profitability in the industry long term. Mm-hmm. And, and I know because I guess I just feel this way as, as a rancher and in talking with other folks, it's always frustrating when these things happen, these things come down the line and we feel it again, it's just the government continuing to, to overregulate and be in our, in our business, so to speak. And we're like, well, we can handle it on our own. But the fact is, the reality of it is, is we and I'm not dogging our industry because I, I think we we have a very safe and a good product. But there has been instances that has created a bad rapport for us. And that's partly why this is happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the, the research um, items to come out, um, and it is according to the FDA, but 70% of those residue violations um, that they see in meat and milk Um, are typically a result of when a vet is not involved in that treatment decision. Um, And so where maybe it was an over-the-counter medication used, um, and maybe that was, you know, banamine given in the muscle in a dairy cow, um, and then that producer maybe didn't follow the the proper uh, milk withdrawal, that kind of thing. Um, And so essentially, we we just want to avoid those black eyes for the industry, right? Because even though they don't happen that often, if if one person gets um, sick or has an adverse effect from something like this, or this gets you know play in the media, uh, it can really impact so many things down the line. Um, you know the value of our product, and we all work so hard. You know from the time that that they're conceived and those calves hitting the ground, we don't want just a misstep of a few people that maybe were poorly informed to create problems for all of us that are doing it the right way. That was very well said. I think that's that really puts puts a lot of that into perspective. Dr. Farmire, as we kind of wrap up here and just putting this all back then to the fact that really that relationship with our veterinarian is going to be key in this. Dr. Moore talked about that as well. And when we come into that, I think, you know, one of the things I feel is, as I remember growing up and we had a great veterinarian growing up, so nothing against nothing against him at all. But, you know, there's always that element that I feel as a ranch like, well, I don't want to bother them. I I feel like it's just a minor issue. I don't really want to bother them. But that that should not be our perspective. No, definitely not. And, um, you know, I think all of us would welcome the opportunity to to be a resource for you guys. Uh, I mean, I I know that there are fewer of us and sometimes uh, we have to cover a larger radius. Um, There's just not as many people going into mixed animal practice. And so sometimes that's a challenge just to get everybody called back in a day. Um, But I encourage you to find a way to communicate with your your veterinarian. 
Um, and, and I'm sure they will be there for you when, when you need them. You know, I've got certain producers that send me emails, um, you know, and, and if it's just a, a management question, things like that, so that then between appointments or ranch calls, I can get to that. You know, I encourage you to develop that strong relationship. Um, I think you'll see benefits you know, way beyond just treating the individual animal, but looking at it from a more of a, a whole herd health program um, and, and just seeing that it can make a huge difference in maximizing your performance and, and not just in health, but, um, you know, whether that's in your conception rates or mortality and morbidity, um, you know, I think it's going to save you a lot of money in the long run to have a strong relationship with your vet and uh, feel like you can can call them when you need them uh, as a reliable resource. Mm-hmm. One other question I was thinking about was how is technology going to play a role as we go forward? This is definitely going to see that interaction need to happen a little bit more between the, the us as a rancher and, and you as a veterinarian. Do we see technology playing a little bit more of a role in that? You talked about, e- you know, some of your ranchers emailing you, but what what about, uh, you know, like like us, we're talking over Zoom and that ability to have consultations uh, with your veterinarian. Do you see that happening a little bit more? Absolutely, I do. Um, and, you know, I think that even if you look at human medicine throughout all of the, the COVID epidemic, epidemic, some of the, the things to come out of that were an increase in telemedicine. And honestly, it was they were able to probably reach people more conveniently um, and, and get through more cases than they were in, in person. Uh, you know, there are some challenges to what telemedicine, if you will, can do as far as um, your diagnostic capabilities. You know, nothing's ever going to replace being able to look at that uh, animal firsthand and having boots on the ground on a ranch to really assess the whole situation. But I do feel like um, there is a place for technology to help us um, to basically, you know, provide service to greater number of people um, as they need it, because we can only be in so many places at once. Uh, for example, I do have some of like a, a feed yard um, that will send me videos of cattle and maybe it's a lameness issue. Uh, maybe it's uh, other questions they have. Um, and and it, it helps a lot. You know, there's a lot we can do through that video um, description um, that and even necropsies. If you train folks that are on your operation to do necropsies and take pictures and then send those to your veterinary professional for assessment, I think there's a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. And um, just helping us all to be more efficient with what limited time um, that we all have in a day. You bet. Before we go, just real quick, uh, just some final comments from you, uh, Dr. Farmeyer, on on this guidance 263. It's going to go into effect in June of 2023. Just a couple quick final comments from you as uh, that you would advise for ranchers. Yeah, I, I think the take home is, you know, you'll still have access to those medically, you know, important drugs and there won't be any price gouging happening. I promise you that. Um, most of these drugs that are coming off over the counter, you know, few of those are, will really impact you on a daily basis uh, at the ranch level. And um, your veterinarian is a great resource. And I, I just encourage people to really utilize them, um, like I said, beyond the prescription, um, but for so many other things that can help you maximize your success there with your operations. You bet. Dr. Lacey Farmeyer, practicing veterinarian out of uh, Absorkey, Montana, with Stillwater Veterinary Clinic, also a veterinary technical consultant for Valley Vet Supply, joining us here today. Dr. Farmeyer, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it.
And again, I do want to thank both of our guests here today, Dr. Lacey Farmeyers. We were just talking with her a bit ago out of Montana. And of course, earlier in the program, Dr. Eric Moore with Norbrook Incorporated, both having a great perspective on this Guidance 263, that relationship with your veterinarian, as they they both talked about, is going to be very, very important. And uh, also just a couple other things that they, they talked about. Prepare for this change. Start working on it now. Talk with your vet. Talk with your supplier and begin to manage and become and get a plan worked out for your operation as you move forward in this. Now, something else I do want to point out that uh, back in the September-October issue of Working Ranch Magazine, Heather Smith-Thomas wrote an article on this very same topic as well. I encourage you to go back and find that issue, the September-October issue, and, and read that article as well. I think between the two, you're going to be get pretty well educated on what you need to do moving forward, and it's a very important topic as we look at the future of our industry. No question about that. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to get into a look at our long-term weather as meteorologist Don Day joins us when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Set up the next generation for a productive lifetime with Zinpro Avela 4. Achieve productive success in your cows with 20% increased conception rate and a 16-day tighter calving interval. Calves from cows supplemented with Zinpro hit the ground running with improved immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zinpro Avela 4. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills with you as we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And as we were kind of joking a little bit before we went on air here, I didn't really even want to call you today or talk to you. I don't like what I'm going to be hearing about the weather. We got this coming week and a pretty good cold snap uh, coming for, I don't know if you want to say, maybe the uh, uh, looking at uh, north of I-80 and, and areas and, and some snow, cold and wind. Yeah, we're going to see all the right ingredients come together for a good old-fashioned Central High Plains winter storm. Uh, This is going to be a storm system that will be a really large one. Uh, It's part of a pocket of cold, moist air that's been up in the North Pacific, and it's going to get a chance to dive into the Great Basin and Rockies. And it's taking a track, and it's the type of pattern we've seen before that lends itself to an intense area of low pressure over the plains. We'll probably see this system be centered somewhere over Nebraska into South Dakota. Then it's going to be a wobbler, meaning it's not going to move really fast. It's going to kind of spin around on its heel. So it's one of these storms that's just not in and out in a day. It'll be two or three days, and we're going to have severe weather across the south central areas of the United States as that Arctic air with this front gets pushed down into the Gulf Coast. And then on the back side of the storm, as Arctic air rushes in, we're going to have heavy snows and some very cold temperatures and a lot of wind. So I want to stress strongly to livestock interests in the central and the northern plains and the central and northern Rockies, and then eventually into the upper Midwest, that there's this will be the first what I'd call major winter storm of the winter season for the lower 48. Okay. So we we get through this big storm as we look on beyond that and a week out, 10 days out. And I know uh, we talked, we joked about it last week about uh, we really, it's hard to really get out to that uh, 10 day forecast, but what are you seeing pattern wise when you look on the Northern hemisphere and, and, and the different highs and lows that are out there? What do you see about 10 to 14 days out? Are we going to move, move back in some more mild weather or is it going to still be pretty unpredictable? 
Well, it looks pretty darn cold. Uh, I think we talked last week about these blocking high pressure patterns in the Pacific and up around Greenland. And those are persisting. And what that does is that bottles up the very cold air and keeps it over North America. And what we're seeing is, is that there's a bit of a displacement of that really cold air that's usually up higher in latitude, up more towards the Northwest Territories, Hudson Bay areas. Well, that's going to be more down into the U.S. Um, it really looks like from this coming week, probably through Christmas week, um, you know, maybe it gets to New Year's. We're not sure, but we're pretty confident through Christmas week. Just about the entire lower 48 is going to be colder than average. Now, there may be some exceptions in the far south and southeast, but even those areas are going to be susceptible to cold. So bundle up. More often than not, the next two or three weeks are going to be pretty cold. Certainly a lot colder than we were a year ago last December. All right. Well, we need to know this, but I'm not happy. <laughs> Nobody is. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do know some ice fishermen that are very happy and and some skiers, but uh, they're the minority. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, Don, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Stay warm. All right. Meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And if you want to track this storm that's going to be taking place this week and future weather events as well, go to his YouTube channel. You can find it by going to his website at dayweather.com. And there will be a link to his daily video podcast that kicks out every Monday through Friday morning. Well, stay with us. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about what's in store for the next episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. We'll be back after this. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Well, I invite you to join us for the next week and in the following weeks as we revisit 2022 as we pull out the top 10 episodes of the Working Ranch Radio Show voted on by you, the listeners, through those that you downloaded. We're going to be taking a look at those, playing excerpts from that. We're going to start next week, so be sure to join us right here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. We thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. So long.